little strange, but I think we got Yes, it. well, you are my first um, guest host on um, Age of the Millennials, so welcome. Would you like to introduce yourself? <laughs> I'm sorry, what was that? Would you like to introduce yourself? <laughs> oh, yes. So my name is Emily Beck. I am a, I'm actually a teacher uh, in South Bend Schools. And I have a master's in education. And I have a bachelor's in theater performance. Super interesting career paths there. And um, I also am a mom to a two-year-old. Ah, yes. Well, so my name is King Kyrie. As you all know, me and Miss Emily are going to be talking about social media today in this particular podcast. And so in my area of study, I uh, got um, my degree in communication, but I had a lot of media studies involved with that. And so social media was a huge, huge part of all of my research. And I was fascinated by it. To the point where it sort of became an obsession for me and when i decided to go out to get my master's uh i was going to focus on social media and so that's why this particular topic means so much to me so emily going along with social media how do you feel about that like the entire topic because some people are just gaga over it and some people are just anti-social media altogether so i grew up with, you know, the flip phone and the pay-by-minute uh, pay phones and you had the little snake game that was inside the phone that was so exciting. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite phones that I had was, had a speaker around it. Um, now I'm almost 30 and I have an iPhone, which I absolutely love. I've got an iPad that I use for uh, pretty much everything and my computer but honestly as far as social media i i have to say i'm not as in tune with media platforms the only one that i only two i would say i use frequently is facebook and then um uh tiktok but i do what i found interesting was social media i I, I, I love that it's a huge, a great venue to talk about things. I see also how it's not a great venue to talk about things, not a great platform, uh, because so many things, so much misinformation, mm-hmm. right? mostly in like five, I'd say six years, uh, or four years, sorry, four years, 2016, about four years. Um, but before then, like I used to use it all the time, and I would look back on my memories and I would talk about all these inspirational quotes and so it's it's very interesting to see how it's being politis- more political I think that's the biggest change for me with Facebook was that everything went from sharing your picture sharing your best days your highlights of the days favorite quotes that you had and it, it it's like it, in I'd say 2016 was where I really noticed a huge shift where news, your news feed was surrounded by all of these political uh, topics. And it's definitely become more of a, of a debate stage in a way. That's very, uh, it's jarring for me. But as far as being pro or against social media, I, I don't want to say I'm against it. I just, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm like an old soul in that way. Like I just use it for like personal stuff. And then sharing a bunch of uh, sharing a bunch of news articles. Yeah, so you're you're kind of in between. You're more, uh, how I should say, in the know when it comes to social media, knowing that it is a double-edged uh, sword, that it has its good, but it also has its bad. And so, growing up, I was like you. I didn't have very much as far as like technology or media goes. I remember. I started off with MySpace. Everyone was going crazy for MySpace. Did you have one of those? Oh my gosh. MySpace was the first like platform, but it also got me into a lot of trouble as a teenager because it was it was it was new and exciting. Like I love that you could talk to people on MySpace and like I even I think one of the things I loved the most was the music part of it. Do you remember the music? Uh, I think you could like host I think it was maybe music podcasts or like 
I just remember like being obsessed with like posting different music clips on there for some reason. I do remember that. I did post a lot of music on there as well. Uh, I also liked <laughs> the art and like the pictures. So before Facebook was like picture happy, MySpace let, let you customize things using pictures. And that's one of the things that I really loved about it. Oh, like the wallpaper. Yes. Like you can change wallpaper into this gorgeous stuff. And I, I, I loved how personalized yes. it was. Uh, I also, I think that's, it's interesting, like, when Facebook came around, I was very much like, um, no, my face is way yep. cooler. I guess what, for me, like, what switched over to Facebook, honestly, if I'm being real, is peer pressure, because everybody's like, my space is boring, go back to Facebook. So I tried it out, and I think it was easier to post about my thoughts even though I couldn't personalize my wallpaper. I do I do miss that. I, do, I will say that Facebook, from what I remember, is a lot easier to use than MySpace is, or was. Um, but I will backtrack a little bit about MySpace. So um, I'm a gay man, and MySpace, I was outed through that. I was cyberbullied a lot because as a gay teen, I'm not going to say that I'm flamboyant, but I'm also not the most masculine. And a lot of kids in my high school um, really took aim at me because I was also one of the few black kids there. And growing up in Texas, being both black and very effeminate to some of these guys, uh, I was just a huge target. So MySpace was actually how I got outed because you had the other gay guy in my school or in my class, my grade or whatever. He got one of his friends from a different school to contact me over MySpace and like private message me and tell me like he thought I was cute and everything and we started flirting and me not knowing that I was being like entrapped. So eventually uh, it came out that I was gay and before I ever got like fully outed to the entire school, I just came out on MySpace, I posted everything and I posted, I remember this, you can post on your friends' pages. Like, you know how some pages uh, on Facebook won't allow you to do that? Well, MySpace didn't right. have that privacy set up, so anyone could post anything on your page. And that was, I think, one of the worst things about MySpace is that anyone can say anything to you and you'd have to go and see it first and then remove it. And so MySpace, I think, was out before smartphones were. And so you didn't have these notifications going off in your pocket when someone posts something on your page because you have to be at a computer. Right. I remember definitely having to, um, we had, we had, used to have dial up and then we switched to high speed internet. And I remember having to wait to have the page load up to see what would happen. But I, it's interesting, like Facebook helped um, in censoring these kind of, if you were if you were a MySpace person, so like you said before, like you wouldn't know if someone said, uh, which by the way, sorry they outed you. Like that is completely horrible and misuse. And it was so sad that while you were talking about that, my brain was like, huh? On Facebook, we kind of do that anyway, but it's more it's easier to to get rid of the comments. So. Um, for myself, I do, I, uh, I, I, I do, uh, come out as actually bi, um, and so for me, um, uh, with Facebook, a lot of my family members would, would notice, like, some of the stuff that I would post, and it was easier to not see the contradictions in what they posted versus my stuff about, like, uh, gay rights, and about equal rights, about, um, Pretty much anything you can think about, uh, think about that isn't conservatism in a way. But I definitely felt with MySpace, it was scarier to post anything vulnerable. Yeah. Whereas Facebook, I feel like we've gotten so comfortable with that filter that we sometimes are too honest on Facebook. Do you know what that's called? I don't, I can't think about something I have. What's that called? Because I actually did a uh, paper over this in uh, school. It's called the online disinhibition effect. And it's where you're behind a computer screen, you're behind your phone screen, and you feel safer and you feel freer. And so you would say and do things that you would never say or do in, in, if you were standing in front of someone. 
And so a lot of social media has sort of become that way. And a lot of people are taking advantage of the uh, online disinhibition effect. And it, it, it does cause a lot of issues. Well, with the online dis- disinhibition effect, sorry, that's a Yes, it is. The online disinhibition you have uh, these instances like where the president, so the president's a great example with Twitter and how he, he says such outlandish things. What's scary about that is it shows you how messed up he is as a person because he does not have any inhibition about what he just said like he has no it doesn't phase him that he just said uh oh gosh i don't know the most recent thing that he said uh but i know about john lewis like he didn't go to honor john lewis's passing um he uh yeah don't get me started oh yeah i just i feel like with 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 the effect it, i feel like it really affects on uh, online bullying oh, too like yes. I you were saying, um kids kids can be very brutal in general like i was bullied as a kid Same. I was, I was me too men um in person when it, when my space came around i feel like that was the first moment for me where the bullying went from being in person all the time i could go home and escape it to then being being exposed online if i had said something or done something and like in person like all of a sudden somebody posted it on their myspace wall um and violated that and then when we get to facebook it really didn't it got i got me i got better but not oh it didn't go away so like i think with bullying it's it's completely um messed up the issue with that i think social media that that two-edged sword is that with online bullying, it just gets worse. And with online bullying, cyberbullying, that can actually cause a lot more harm than actually bullying someone face-to-face. Because like you said, you go home and that is your sanctuary, that's your escape, you can block it out. But when you get on social media, because everyone is on social media, millennials, we gotta have it, we love, love, love it. And you are constantly getting berated and bullied it takes a huge toll on your mental state. And that's something that we're going to talk about on my podcast on a much later date, uh, mental um, illness and mental health. But cyberbullying, the whole sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Whoever came up with that was lying to themselves because in my opinion, <laughs> words hurt a lot more than getting punched in oh. the face. And I get punched in the face. Oh, yeah. I was going to say with the... Um, sticks and stones may break my bones like you I feel like social media especially with Twitter and Facebook right now and even with MySpace it definitely exposed how harmful it could be uh, I was watching a documentary about Monica Lewinsky mm-hmm. right I remember I remember the, the news stations talking about the Monica Lewinsky I was very young I was I was young when it happened but I remember my dad talking I remember hearing conversations about my dad talking about it and as I got older I learned what that was about so for Monica Lewinsky if we had social media in her time the way that we expose like sex scandals and sex crimes and things that are risque and and very um reputation damaging i felt like monica lewinsky was the first time was like the around the time where had there been like a huge a huge social media thing she could have had a probably no career she ended up having a great career after the whole scandal and it, and it sort of just died but not really like in person like if with the news media it did like expose the, the, the scandal but with with that idea that she could go home and not have to worry about it um I felt like that she got lucky with that but now if you if you look decades later um I don't know any recent ones but if a scandal like that would have would happen recently I it would social media would have destroyed her destroyed yeah. completely that's what I was thinking of thank you because that I just couldn't imagine I can't imagine any sort of like celebrity 
with social media. So are you a fan of Stranger Things? I am a huge fan of Stranger Things. I love Stranger So Things. the uh, girl who plays Eleven, I, for the love of me, life of me, cannot think of her name. Um, she was bashed so hard on Twitter that she deactivated, I think, her Twitter and her Instagram. Don't quote me on that. I know she had social media and she just stopped completely because as a 14-year-old girl, she said something that someone took as insensitive and it blew up. And when I say blew up, I mean it blew up. It, she was trending on Twitter and people were just going after her for being, I think, either transphobic or homophobic or something. And I'm like, what? And I read what she said. I'm like, as a gay man, I personally don't take offense to that. I don't think anyone who is gay could, but they 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 took a torch out against this girl, started a witch hunt, and as a 14-year-old girl, she was forced to delete all of her social media. That's the thing. You you raise a good point about her being 14. Yes. I social media, the thing about social media that I, I am not a fan about is that it can it can destroy lives no matter what age you are. So not uh so her being 14 as a celebrity but even um recently with some of the uh, the posts some of these the memes yes. right uh about about george floyd these high school children uh were reenacting his yes death, posting it on social media and as a teacher and as a parent and as someone who's an ally i'm looking at this and and it's it's shocking how we got to that point where, like you said, with with that dis- disinhibition yep. effect, there's there's no consequence with what would happen. Now I'm starting to notice. Before though, at, you could post something like that and there wouldn't be any consequence in person. But I think because of businesses, it's become kind of a mission for them to to really make sure who they're hiring. They do check social media. Oh, I absolutely. Say they don't like. I remember doing job interviews, and that was one of the things that said like, be careful about your Facebook and social media. And at the time, I was like, that's 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 bullcrap. Like, no, that's bullshit. No one's going to look at my Facebook. No one's going to do that. Why would they do that? It's just a place where I post my stuff. Well, <laughs> I think it's ten, ten years later, I'm like, oh well, so and so just got fired for posting a racist video of her of them yelling at at this family that's moving in to the home and these kids that I mean they're kids and as a teacher that's what what kills me is these kids are now going to see you can get expelled from a school that you go to because of this or you can get suspended or whatever the punishment is but it it's 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 frustrating because I feel like it was it should have been some a consequence it should happen I just feel like some of it's a little too late right now. So I think I know what you're saying uh, to your point. Um, I think what you're talking about is the change in our society because our society has changed in our generation so many times. If I were to try to catch count, I would get whiplash. (laughs) But you're talking about cancel culture. And that's something I will also talk about later on where people will go back into your past and dig up things that happened years ago that may have been socially acceptable then and drag you for it now because the times have changed and that's no longer acceptable. Now, am I defending anyone who has done anything like that? No, because nine times out of 10, um, I didn't agree with that because as being a double minority, both gay and black uh, in America, I don't have much privilege. And so I have to look and see everything that's going on and i think about this i have this sort of uh empathy and sympathy for other minorities when someone does something that could be offensive to native americans something that could be offensive to women and even if it was acceptable back then i probably wasn't down with it but at the same time if you're in a society where everyone's doing that and peer pressure is a real thing if your buddies are all doing this thing on this dumb video and you post it and 10 years later you get fired for it I don't think that that is fair. Yeah. I think removal of that media or removal of that video should happen and there should be some sort of talking to, but immediate termination, no. I understand why those corporations do that though, because from a PR standpoint, it's bad public relations. It's bad 
on the entire company, the corporation. No, our 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 company, our country, I should say, has um, they, they we have become a mob. There yeah. there are camps everywhere. There's a mob for everything, and and it's gotten to the point where our collective anger leaves no room for remorse and it leaves no room for growth and i think that social media um really plays a big part in that oh absolutely i mean think about um so we were talking about myspace in the beginning right we talked about all of the different features about personalization but very very minimal private security functions right and you've got facebook who fixes it which fixes the problem of privacy and security along with the personalization, not as extreme as MySpace was, but there was some personalizing involved with your Facebook. Now you've got uh, the newest platform. I mean, I love this new platform, personally, uh, TikTok. Mm -hmm. Uh, Actually, it was Twitter and then TikTok. Twitter was similar where um, it was like a scrolling post, like you just constantly, but it was more of, it was Facebook, but less um, advertising and less... um, I guess it was more like a place where you could have an opinion, like you place your opinion and it's just like, just like the posting part of it. Like you didn't yeah. worry about all the different sharing pictures and, and all of that stuff. Games. Like you, you retweet stuff. Like, so it's like, yes. uh, like you find a good, a good quote and you're like, oh, I got to retweet this to somebody. Right. Then you've got TikTok, which is which, honestly, I'm not gonna lie. TikTok and Vine are, they were pretty much the same thing. Like if you were, if you remember Vine, mm-hmm. you look at TikTok it's pretty much the same thing like you have these really short videos that you do for like 30 seconds then you post it but what i like about tiktok is it's now becoming a a venue not just for entertainment but i feel like it's able to videotape more um of of the flaws in our society so one thing about facebook and facebook live is a thing but tiktok i like it because there's there's so much you can do you you have these audio clips right but then you put it against a backdrop of something you really want to talk about um song that's like really powerful and then they have like the subtitles going through their video about what their heart is about and i think i think with with tiktok it's it's more controlled by the person so the message they want to portray is clearer than on facebook facebook can be misinterpreted tremendously based on the post because there's no emotion you can't see the emotion behind it really unless the person is talking to you through a video um it's just words so it's yes. interesting how TikTok is starting to become that that place where if you have a message that you don't want to be ambig- ambiguous you post it there you videotape yourself it's very interesting and that so that's the thing so TikTok is one of the more recent ones of course you've got snapchat um, but that's something that you raise a really good point. Social media context is key. And when it comes to a post, um, it, it's a tonal. Unless you know the person, you don't know what they're saying or how they're trying to say it. So if I'm saying something and I'm being sarcastic, you as a friend of mine may know that I'm being sarcastic, but somebody else may be taking me literally and they're like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> yep, exactly. Like, you can't say anything without there without there being two sides to the, to the story there's the side that th- that knows you're being sarcastic then there's the other side that's like uh what is this person talking about they're they they believe in the horrificness of this article like i think i saw i see a lot of uh, i have a lot of theater friends that are sarcastic and sometimes i even myself have to th- have to read it a second time like wait yes what do you say with that, <laughs> with that? but also the um, problem with that is so you got uh grammar Ugh, social media is so bad for like the English language. Oh, grammar. Yes, grammar. Grammar, grammar, grammar. So here's my teacher hat coming on. Social media, I, I mean, it's, let's call it what it is it's text talk. So text talk really has, text talk has really been around since we got, since, since really mobile phones. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when, I mean, even, you know, you and I remember when, with the with the flip phones and the pay phones, like we had to type in each individual letter. Yep. And uh, for me, that was a pain sometimes. So I would abbreviate, uh, like never mind or things like that. But the my 
the, the, my problem with with text talk now is we've got it's it's become a, a cultural norm that is a bad habit because now we have smartphones that correct like uh, our wording but people are still choosing not to take the two seconds to really make sure you're writing something like we essentially have a computer that we carry around all the time and if you're a millennial or uh, gen gen x um what we, yeah, Gen X. No, Gen, Gen I think X. Gen Z. Is it Gen Z? Hold on. Uh, it is Boomers. It's Gen X. Because Michael and Hope are Gen X. Oh, you're talking about the older generation. Okay, I'm talking about the one below us. The one underneath, or behind us, I should say. Yeah, the one behind us is Gen X. The one... Well, no, the one... Behind is Gen <laughs> Z. Yes. Okay. So Gen... Um, I, I mean, I would have to look at some Gen Z people to know if TikTok is still popping up. But I know with young students right now, they are still using TikTok even in their uh, writing. So when I, at my old school with sixth graders, I would see a lot of abbreviations of never mind or please because it's in the phone that's become a normal thing. And texting or social media, that's a normal way to talk. Yep. But it's formal academic writing and, and, and then um, just grammar in general, it's, it's, become a, it's become a disadvantage. And no one's really talking about that. Or if they are, they're, they're just, it's not that they're ignoring it. It's not that they're trying to, you know, dis, discredit it. Like, they just don't know how to solve it yet. I think that's the newest problem we have that needs to be solved is how do we connect the difference between academics and text talk, if that makes sense. No, it makes a lot of sense. And for me, I've always been huge on grammar. Um, so I'm going to sidetrack us a little bit. So when I first started college, my original major was psychology. And then I switched from psychology after I realized how much school there was involved. I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. And so I went to English. I was <laughs> an English major because I always loved grammar. and it really bugged me anytime I saw someone using like the wrong form of two or saying, uh, you're so beautiful instead of you're so beautiful. And and, and that's the thing. If you were to pronounce your and your the way they're supposed to be pronounced, they, they don't sound the same. I don't, I don't understand that whole, Oh, they're like homophones. Like they're not, they're not homophones. In fact, your is two separate words. It's a contraction. It's two together they the e has a different sound to it but it's so subtle that people who don't understand grammar the way that we do don't hear it and i mean i'll be honest i'm that person that does your and your um very well but if i'm typing it i i know which one i'm talking about like in my head so a lot of that could be dialect as well yes Um, but i completely uh, what i've noticed as a millennial getting my master's is how text talk had has kind of messed up my writing a little bit even as as a as a master's candidate so when I was getting my master's I I remember taking a class and I actually asked a fellow colleague at my old school about my grammar because I was getting a lot of points off for grammar and I didn't realize how bad my grammar was until I was looking at my post and I'm like oh my goodness like I just went into my text talk mode without even realizing it and so um, I ended up needing to do a grammar app. And I, I don't think that's a bad thing to talk about. I think it's really important to understand if you are someone that has that deficit, you really, it's okay to find the resources to help you with that. But I definitely think social media does not, I digress a little bit, but yeah, social media has not helped with the grammar thing at all. Um, it's. It, it's it's interesting because you can use social media in education to to talk about stuff mm-hmm. and talk about um, talk about so many different issues with it um, without with programs but like issues that pop up in social media. So if we were doing classes right now in the summer, like we were in school, holy cow! All of the social studies lessons and concepts you could talk about just from the Black Lives Matter protests that were popping up on Facebook, the COVID pandemic that's going on right now. So, but even then, like, talking about information versus uh, misinformation, 
truth versus lie, yeah. which is something that social media hasn't helped with in the especially in the past four years. So when it comes to social media, and I I found this to be hilarious. Um, you've got millennials and Gen Zs that don't really care for the news. They they feel like it's um, framed a certain way, so they disregard it. But yet they're so willing to follow social media. Um, so have you heard of the death pranks? I have not. So it's when someone puts out like a famous person has died, like Betty White, Morgan Freeman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. death pranks. I heard death pranks. Oh, I'm sorry. Death pranks with a P. Pranks. Some guy literally, I was looking at a post on Twitter and they were talking about, you know, the new Lion King and someone was like, oh, I'm so glad, you know, they had all these people playing these new voices or these uh, voices for the, the animals. I'm so glad that Beyonce got to be part of it. I wish they had gotten like the original guy who played Mufasa to play Mufasa. And someone posted on there is like, they couldn't, he died. And someone else underneath was like, wait a minute, what? James Earl Jones died. And no, it was a prank. Someone posted on social media and it went viral and they took that for face value. Social media told this person that James Earl Jones had died. And instead of investigating whether it was true or not, he took it for face value. So it's it's kind of hypocritical for millennials to say they don't trust news, but yet go and trust the information they receive on social media platforms as factual without doing any research behind it. Is news framed a certain way? Absolutely. You know Fox News and uh, CBS News and CNN, they all have their camps but right everyone knows this for social media it's a lot more dangerous because you've got people putting things out on the internet and people that are out there gullible enough to believe that it's all fact without looking anything up and i think that is one of the major drawbacks that i have with social media is that people refuse to do research they see what's on social media and they take that as fact and they perpetuate it they'll say it over and over again and it just blows my mind because it, it's just not true. Simple Google searches would tell you that what you think you know isn't true. I was just going to say there's like, well, there's three things. So like one of the first things you said about the news media. Now, I actually, okay, so I grew up with Fox News. Mm-hmm. So for me, I was getting all of this, um, all of this news that from a conservative perspective. It wasn't until I got into college that CNN was is CNN for me and BBC are trusted resources. Like I actually prefer the news versus social media. Like any article that I see posted up, I always instantly look at the website because I I grew up seeing what happens when it's a one-sided point of view or a or a website that has misinformation. Because Fox News. Fox News will take one story that CNN does. CNN, I mean, has now, and actually they've had to because of the attack on them with, during this presidency with, with the backlash of that, posts the sources that they get this from, whereas Fox News, they take the same story and point at one perspective that has no relevance, that whataboutism is what I think. Yes. So for me, millennial, I actually really i rely on the news but not like but like the news source like if i'm gonna see a post on facebook i'm gonna double check and make sure that news source isn't from uh i saw one that was like fox29.com or something like that i'm like what is this website like it was a very weird website um but then the other part of it i talk about the social media and how it perpetuates and you just run with it um, that 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 efficiency that we've now gotten to with social media, where you click it and it's sent, that share button, yep. you almost go into this like vortex of absent-minded sharing. sharing. I I know it's I know I do it at night subconsciously. If I see a news article, and I'm like trying to get myself to sleep, I'm like oh my god, that's such a good one, but I don't have time to say anything about it. Let me just share it. It's it's like clickbait. Yes, <laughs> it's very similar to clickbait. <laughs> Um, but I saw a TED talk that talked about the life cycle of social media rumors. It's a very good text, TED talk. I actually used it for one of my for one of my Ed puzzles for school. Um, I just can't remember her name, but she was from England, and it and the video was called "Life Cycles of Ru- Social Media Rumors" or "Rumors in Social Media." 
and it talked about the bombings in England, in London specifically. And one of the rumors that was coming out was that they bombed a children's hospital. What was fascinating, it, it took them, I, I would have to relook at the data again, but it took them, I'd say, about a week for them to debunk the rumor that the bombings bombed a children's hospital because it was false. Mm-hmm. When you hear something so extreme like that, like, oh my gosh, the London bombers bombed a children's hospital, it must be true. It's so outlandish. How could it not be true? Yes. And some fell for that and shared it. Well, then there was people who, there were people, sorry, there were people who um, just went in and was giving all kinds of sources to debunk it. And it took a while. It took a few days for that rumor to die out, but it took persistency of people sharing news articles, valid news articles, valid information to discredit this rumor. And I think that's the key point with, if you're going to use social media as an outlet to share news and to share um, opinions and to for activism, right? You also have to be prepared to debunk um, rumors, but it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of time to do that over and over because it's not a quick fix. And I think people are are tired of having to debunk everything. We've had to do it for four years with people when they post ridiculous articles and I've noticed it myself like I don't have the time to sit there and find every article. So I get I get why it's happening. It's just one of those things where we either have to choose to change that or we just keep getting in this like rut with so on that note so on the whole you know debunking things for whatever reason i don't know how i got on this particular thread on twitter it's like the whole rabbit hole thing like you you click on one thing and before you know it you're in wonderland freaking out because you can't find your way back home but um i was um talking to or on this thread typing up this lady was so convinced that climate change wasn't real. And she told everyone on this thread that you guys are, are idiots. How can you believe all this climate change stuff? Oh, that's what it was on a now next or a new now or, or now, a now this a post. We're talking about the like glaciers and stuff melting. And she's like, the glaciers aren't melting, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, they are. It's been happening. It's getting worse every year. And she's like, no, the uh uh, scientists measured the glaciers and they measured like all of this stuff and they have been they're the biggest they've ever been in like four years and I'm like uh hold on for a minute and I literally <laughs> went and I found um three uh separate posts and I made sure that they were from uh European or Australian um news um, outlets they weren't American and I posted a one from 2017, 2018, and 2019 where it said each and every year there were pieces of ice falling off of both the uh, North and South Pole. And she quickly, she went, she read those as I, I tagged her in each one. She read those, she deleted her post, and then she followed me on Twitter. Wow, really? Yes, and and my friends are like, that was so much work. I'm like, I understand it was a lot of work that I did. And this lady, I don't know, but the fact of the matter is, I changed her mind. She was spreading misinformation. There are people that she was probably talking to who believed what she was saying. Well, and that's the thing, too, is there are people on social, there are people on social media, like, so the friends and family, part, yes. right? We'll have friends and family, and you have a commonality where you, a common a common interest where you share pictures. Like my sister recently just had a baby, um, and so all of my family's been you know posting about the baby, and it's it's great for a moment. But I think the key thing is I would personally I would pick and choose who able to have that civil discourse that 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 conversation with the other person without taking it so aggressively i think what happens is because i've seen so many comment trends on different things i have to sometimes wonder before i go into this am i emotionally ready to politely and calmly talk to this person who will probably say i'm an idiot who will probably say i don't know what i'm talking about i'm a, I'm a liberal I'm a, I'm a snowflake you know different things like that like do i want to put myself through that 
and that's the thing. Nine times out of like, I think the biggest thing is you can use social media to do that, but you have to learn the valuable social skill of dis of talking about discourse, talking dis talking through political discourse. Yes, you're boy, you're not going to have effective conversations if you can't um, talk to somebody with the idea that they this is just probably something that they've been told since they were young. Like some of these, some of the millennials that. Are, are that are different uh, in politics that have a different opinion of me I have to remember like they grew up in the same mindset I did they just grew up with what they knew they believed it and now are finding um, news articles that validate this bias but uh, it's up to me to to take the time and effort if I if I want to if it's like my friend then I'll take the time to do it but if it's someone that I've done this since they were 12 years old and they're not going to do it anyway. Well, I'm just not going to worry about talking to them because I call they're lost causes, essentially. It's interesting, though. It doesn't solve the problem of how to stop spreading this information. Like, you can choose not to spread it anymore, but how in the long run do you stop that from happening? I think that's where social media will get... It'll be interesting to see if they ever solve that problem, if they ever... But what you're talking about, that particular problem, not to cut you off, but the particular problem that you're talking about goes way back uh, before social media or even computers were a thing. It's called um, cognitive dissonance. And so what you were taught to believe your entire life, if someone comes and rebukes that, even if they show you proof, you may not be ready to accept that. So no matter what they do, you're, they're never going to be able to change your mind because you are not ready to take that on. You're not ready to believe it's true. You have been taught something your entire life to find out it's a lie or it was wrong. That's hard for a lot of people. So it creates this friction within their mind and they just say, nope, 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 nope. I'm not going to change my mind. Nope, nope, nope. Leave me alone. Nope. They just shut it out. Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm, it's, it's such an interesting thing, but no, you're absolutely right. It's, it answers a lot. I think I'm just speechless because I'm like, yep. Because you know, you know, you know a lot of people like that, don't you? (laughs) Oh, I, I know, I know a lot of people. So, um, I didn't go into this. So I grew up in a conservative, um, in a conservative home, very heavily Pentecostal, um, I, I, we, it's technically apostolic, but the best way to compare it to is Pentecostal. And I didn't start talking with people that had a different viewpoint of me until actually when I transferred to IUSB. I had grown up uh, in a private, I'd gone to private school, I went to church at 1.5 times a week, um, at other times it was you know, three times a week, and the most I ever went to church was, I think, eight times a week. Wow. If I'm not, so yeah, I was very, very heavy in that culture. Um, but it wasn't until I got to IUSB and actually chose to do theater performance that I, for me, I did a lot of listening. And I think that's the one of the hardest things to do at first to combat that cognitive dissonance that you're talking about. If you are someone, and I don't know who's listening, but if you're someone that's like, wow, you guys are talking about a lot of great things, but I'm surrounded by people that wouldn't understand that, take the time to just listen. And that was one of the things that helped me realize, like, I really don't know as much as I thought. I think we get into adulthood and think we know everything, very much like a teenager. Yeah. Like we, it's, a, it's an adolescence, it's an adolescence thing, it's a developmental thing. In fact, they say you don't really settle into your adult brain until like mid 20s <laughs> so like even when you're in college you are still learning so many things about the world and I think the when anyway when I was at IUSB um I really have to thank every person that let me sit in the lounge with them and didn't push me away because <laughs> I probably was a weirdo just like asking silly questions about um everyday life yeah, I just, I, there were many, many conversations I had to have with people that I trusted and people that, um, you know, were different than me. It really opened my eyes to realize that the world does not revolve around this belief system that I had. And not to say, like, 
you know, going going to a secular college makes me not believe in God. Like, that's totally not what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is, um, as far as religion, taking the religious part out of it, things, the way you view life, social issues, um, things that um, have, are crimes against humanity, I would say. You can find agreements in that whether you're somebody who grew up in church and has like position, positions on abortion, right? So that's a, a hot button topic. Mm-hmm. You talk to someone who may be more liberal and they have a different viewpoint on it. But somewhere in the middle, you can agree that um, human life matters, right? Both sides aren't wrong. Both sides believe human lives matter, right? There's this. There's this other thing I realized when I was going through this process of like figuring out what I believe which I still am I don't have it figured out I'm almost 30 and I'm getting a better sense of what I believe but it it took this growth mindset to happen if you're willing to take that growth mindset you can learn different viewpoints and have that conversation with people without it turning into online bullying turning into a witch hunt turning into a mob fest which Social media has become more of that based on the political thing that's been happening, if that makes sense. Like, I think po- po- politics play a huge part in how social media is portrayed. That right there, I think, is an oversimplification. I believe that politics affects our society and our society has an influence on what we see in the news how the news is framed and in turn affects how we react on social media i agree that what you're saying is true but we have to make sure we include all the steps and even i oversimplified what is causing social media to become more of a battleground than anything else but not to cut you off no that was that's that's great clarity because I definitely don't want that oversimplifying to, to, to misread um, but I think if people don't take the time to be uncomfortable then they're never going to learn something different. Social media can challenge you that way if you let it but if, exactly, you gotta let it happen, you gotta sit you gotta sit with the ants in your pants and wonder wonder if there's any anything that you need to learn from it but uh, i think i heard i think i heard a good friend say if something makes you uncomfortable maybe take a look at yourself first before assuming that they're attacked basically before assuming the worst yeah like see if it see if there's something that you need to learn from it i know i totally totally agree with that about okay before i i get on that point let's go back to a little bit of what you were saying before <laughs> so social media and a lot of people and a lot of companies have gotten in trouble with this, um, has a way of insulating you in this little bubble. I'm not sure if you're a fan of Katy Perry, but her song, Chain to the uh, Rhythm. Have you heard that song? No, I only know Firework. I mean, I love Baby, You're a Firework. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in Katy Perry's Chain to the Rhythm, she talks about everyone being comfortable in their own little bubble. And social media has a way of doing that. And it's not just with the people you interact with, because you choose your friends. If someone says something that you disagree with, you have the option to remove them and you'll no longer be associated with them. You'll no longer see their perspective if their perspective is something that you don't agree with. But also you've got the ads that are targeted towards you. If you go to more liberal democratic sites, the ads on Facebook and the ads on Twitter are more liberal. The ads on YouTube are more liberal. If you are more, well, that, huh? Cut you off. Um, I was just going to say that creates this, this like the bubble that you're yep. saying. But it it can be dangerous if you are someone that's like trying to change the world. You might have to let that one friend who is you know kind of conservative and not liberal be on your Facebook if you want a full world view. Like it, you, it runs the dangerous thing of a bias of a bias. Like you have a biased opinion towards something because you see it all the time, but you assume that everyone would know about it, and then you get angry when someone has a different opinion than you. And so th- that's why I go on Twitter and I follow President Trump. I follow a lot of the top conservatives. I follow the top liberals, and I follow both uh, Democratic, liberal, and uh, Republican conservative media outlets because I want to see what both sides are telling me and how they're telling. Me. 
And and a lot of people will get so angry with me because I will go and I'll ask questions on both media platforms. Like if CNN posts something about Trump or any of his supporters, I'll ask a general question and I'll get attacked when people are like, how can you betray your own people? You know, and these are white people telling me that I'm a traitor to my own people because I'm asking a question, only asking a question. And they assume that I'm a Trump supporter simply because I asked a question questioning a liberal and vice versa. If I were to question a conservative, they come after me and they're like, oh, go crying or go on welfare, things like that. It's, it's very vicious and it's from both sides. And oh, absolutely. It's gross. I, I, I just recently saw that with um, COVID-19 in, in the theater community, even. We just had, um, so we, I just recently did a show with Southland Civic it, with Emma. And the, the divide that was happening within, within a group of people that have the same interests, like everybody in the theater group loves mm-hmm. theater, right? We're all struggling and we can't do very, we really can't do any in-person performances. But there was a lot of criticism uh, between some some theater people in the theater community were, were chastising other theater communities for performing in person. Now, on that side, I, in Emma, we did everything correctly in terms of like making sure we social distance. Emma's a social distance play. It's Victorian times. Of course, you're not going to be up on up all into their business and we weren't singing. So it allowed us to have like good social distancing, right? Very minimal exposure with face shields, masks, temp checks, things like that. It was outdoors, which is a huge bonus. So what was interesting was seeing them attack one another for something that if COVID wasn't happening, it wouldn't have come up. Like, you would never see such a unified community um, attack each other, in a way. But can I ask you a question? Just for clarity, did the attack happen in person, or was it over social media? It was over social media. Exactly. That's the online inhibition of that. In person, in person, and I know these people, too, their comments online it's very atonal like you said there's no tone to it it's it's very scary seeing that they can they can say those things and i'm like whoa hold on like we've had like coffee time we've had like tons of conversations and this is how you are talking to a fellow colleague like it was it was mind-blowing just mind-blowing yeah well, not to cut everything short, let's let's uh, sort of wrap this up. And the final <laughs> question I want to pose to you, because it is going on an hour, my fans are going to be like, why are you talking so long? <laughs> but <laughs> my final question to you is, do you believe that social media is harming our youth more than it's helping them? Oh, I, uh, give you a minute to think about that, because... We talked about a lot of ways. Yes. Um, I believe as much as social media has become a great place to talk about activism, seeing youth being activists, posting videos about the truth that happens in these, in these, you know, the Black Lives Matter movements and things like that. That being said, in the long run, I, in the long run, I could see social media being a disadvantage to young um, young people only because unless they learn that skill of 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 discourse of political discourse, you know, being able to talk without um, really any heat to it, if they um, uh, if they don't learn that, if they don't learn how to um, express themselves in written language in a more effective way um, especially considering there's atonal if they are not careful about spreading this information it could turn into a very um, very toxic place very quickly it could very much be similar to what happened with MySpace with the toxicity that happened but on a much larger scale Um, and it's, it's scary to think about that and it's a concern that should be addressed. I completely agree with you. I am of the mind that social media has its 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 perks. But what's happening now is that capitalism is 
it's it's digging in and it's trying to make as much money as possible and it's making things that may not in my opinion be first off kid friendly and then you also have the fact that it's sort of taking away from kids education if social media was more um i guess educational i don't think i'd have a problem with it but it's becoming far away more and more about entertainment likes views and it's sending the message that a lot of kids are eating up that you don't have to try very hard all you've got to do is do something trendy and in that pursuit of doing something trendy a lot of kids can end up doing something very very dangerous or very big wrong mhm yes you spoke to my soul with that last bit yeah. that that was exactly i completely agree with you with that we we need to be careful about giving young people young ch- and children i mean let's be honest there are, there are young children that are lying about being 13 years old yep. and able to get on facebook you have to be extremely careful not to let it let one moment of fame infamous or famous cause you to to have something out there that you can't take back yes you won't be able to take back well, that being said i'm going to be on facebook and if you're on facebook you'll absolutely love it great <laughs> check it out i mean it, and that's that's the perk of social media i'm i am glad that we have it um i think i think now is the time to find find a way to make sure the growing concern about it isn't going to get worse we have to find a solution to the problem yes and we also my final point is we have to make sure that we keep soft skills intact because studies have shown that more people are afraid of public speaking or speaking face to face than they are of texting or talking uh via house party or uh messenger or things like that and soft skills being able to have eye contact speak loudly clearly and address someone firmly it's become the past and we can't lose that we can't have any road away I completely agree with you. 1000%. 1000%. So, if you are a young person that's listening to this and your teacher is talking about soft skills, please, please listen to them because they have your best interest at heart. <laughs> yes, yes, we really do because we are very social creatures and holding on to a phone your entire life and ignoring life going on around you, that's not the way to go. And I fear that's where we're heading. And I don't want that to happen. 19 I'm I'm actually currently reading 1984 by George Orwell. If you haven't read it or anything by George Orwell, Animal Farm was a great a great piece as well, but I'm already noticing the themes of Big Brother's watching you, right? Throughout your book. And we definitely want to make sure we don't get into this Big Brother universe with social media. Thank you so much for having me on here, King Kyrie. This was a lot of fun got me out of my comfort zone. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm thoroughly glad that you were my first guest. You were my guinea pig so to speak, but of course, Emily, I want you to come back because you know, you're my girl. Oh, I love you, Kinker. I would be happy to come back anytime, Th- anytime. Thank you. I'm going to be uh uploading this relatively shortly and feel free to post it and share and have like all your friends listen and laugh at us and honestly open up a dialogue because i want that to be one of the things that this podcast does it opens up a dialogue whether we said something incorrect listeners or we said something you don't agree with talk to us you have an actual option of sending me a voice clip of what you did and didn't like and i just found that out today as i was looking over this app that they can actually listen to my um podcast and send me voice messages about what they didn't like. Hopefully there won't be any, you know, racist, homophobic or angry things that they send me. But, you know, <laughs> fingers crossed. Oh, absolutely. I was going to say uh, I I would be I'm, it'll be very vulnerable to hear people's thoughts, but it'll also be a nice growth opportunity for me. I usually don't I usually don't feel so comfortable but King Kyrie you know you make me feel super comfortable talking about it and that's really helpful I got um, you <laughs> there are a lot of things that um when you talk about something so passionate like it just it it's it's like having a conversation on the couch just enjoying yourself so um but thank you for listening to me talk 
Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for asking me the questions. It's been a true, it's truly an honor. Thank you. And you have a great night. Oh, you too. Take care. All right. Love you. Love you too. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, everyone, I am about to sign off. I hope you enjoyed that talk that I had with Emily over social media. If you would like to be a special guest on my podcast, you can do so by reaching out to me via Facebook. Just look me up at Kyrie Turner on Facebook and send me a a message through Messenger. I will ask you about your credentials, what you'd like to talk about, and show you a list of upcoming podcasts that I have. Maybe you're interested in something that I already have set up. I do have a limited number of guests that I will be having, but... But if you are one of the first or maybe the only on a topic that you find desirable, or if you come up with a topic of your own, then I can have that here. All you've got to do is just reach out to me one more time at Kyrie Turner on Facebook. Thank you and peace out for now.